Hello, my name is Aziz and I'm the son of a divorced mother. She is really my superhero. That's why it's important for me to support women to share their uniqueness, their personalities, perspectives, and emotions about this world. In these difficult times in human history, we need to bring the people of the world together. And when we hear the voices of women, when we listen to real lives of women from other countries, we connect our cultures without differences or stereotypes, and we get inspired by their stories to live a better life. That's what this podcast is all about. My guest today is Sabina Babayeva. Sabina is an international baccalaureate student, a Ukrainian girl from Kharkiv Oblast, currently living and studying in Tbilisi, Georgia. Sabina is planning to major in history and politics, and she volunteered as a board member on regional development in the European Youth Parliament Ukraine. She also traveled as an Erasmus Plus scholar to Kosovo and as a member of the EYP to Budapest to discuss neutral conflict resolution and active citizenship. Sabina, how are you today? Uh, hello, Aziz. Thank you for the uh, introduction. So I'm really happy to be here today. I'm really happy to talk to you, to talk about uh, myself, perhaps. Uh, yes, I'm feeling great. I'm finally done with my exam sessions. So it feels a lot like a uh, relief, you know, and I'm finally going home for the first time since the war started. Not not the war, but since the full-scale invasion of Ukraine started, because I haven't been home since uh, February. And yes, finally, I'm going there today. So my, my excitement cannot be exaggerated. Thank you, Sabina. And really, I can feel your emotions. And all I can say is Slava Ukraini. Thank you for the support. Thank you too. And I'm very curious about you as a person to share your voice and your experiences. So I'll begin with this nice first question. If your friends, the people who know you and love you most could describe your personality, what would they say about you? And uh, this is a good one. Thank you. It actually sounds like one of the questions of the university applications. So honestly, I am prepared to answer this one. I feel like if I asked my friends or my parents to describe me, both were agree on the idea that I'm something like a um, mixture of Anne Shirley and Dumbledore. I'm always out for an adventure, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm somehow worldly and... Uh, many people call me wise. <laughs> I'm not sure about this one, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I feel like one of my hobbies is is writing. I put a lot of my my thoughts, uh, my ideas, a lot of myself into, you know, the silence of clicking keyboard. And I feel like this hobby also somehow shapes my, my personality and can tell something about me. I love that. People who are writers are always so interesting and I have at least five different questions now I could ask. I'm so enchanted and interested to learn more. But I'll begin with this. 
what fascinates you the most about adventure? Are you a girl, for example, who gets bored with a mundane life and you want the extraordinary and the thrill and adrenaline and that's what excites you? Is it that you feel life is too short, we should embrace the day and not waste it? Is it because people who go on adventures with you are amazing, you learn from them so much and it's about that human touch? Or what is it about adventure that attracts you so much? Thank you. So honestly, I don't believe there is something romantic about my desire to, to travel, to see more things, to, to meet more people. During my stay here in Georgia, uh, traveling just became my salvation because uh, at some point you just get you get overwhelmed with everything that is going on in, in your country, in your life, and then you just you become emotionally addicted. No, you become addicted to, to emotions. And so for me, traveling is one of the ways um, to explore myself, explore my emotions, uh, meet new people again, and through those connections with people, through those uh, new experiences, somehow uh, try to find the the relief after hard times that you perhaps have been through. And for example, my last journey, or not last, pre-last journey to Kosovo was absolutely a game changer, let's say, because I don't know if you know about it, or I don't know if the, the listeners know about, about it, but there is a um, bridge in Kosovo, uh, which separates the northern part of Kosovo from the southern part of Kosovo. And the thing is that while the north is under the, let's say, influence of Serbia, the south is under influence or soft power of uh, Albania. Mm-hmm. And this bridge, for me, uh, when I when I first saw it, when I went there, I had so many emotions that I decided to, again, write it down into my uh, diary. And uh, my metaphor to describe this bridge was like the bone of contention, the the road, some some steel that separates the country into two, that separates its people into two. And it was just a, a huge realization for me about how people can believe in different places, how, um, you know, when you have the conflict in your country, you can be somehow biased you can be also losing the rest of the world out of sight but when you travel you just understand how how the rest of the world works better how people in different places leave because uh, again traveling allows you to somehow broaden your perspectives and realize that uh, it's not only your country that is facing difficulties but it's unfortunately currently it's a lot of places in, in the world and if I look at it from a very, let's say, academic perspective, then for me, my trip to Kosovo and also my trip to uh, Hungary was also uh, enriching because, again, I used to be living in Tbilisi. And I think we all know that in Tbilisi, people and in Georgia generally, people are very supportive of Ukraine. In the rest of Europe, people are also mostly very supportive of Ukraine, but there are still some places such as um, Serbia or Belarus or Hungary actually too, where Ukraine is more like ambiguous topic to to talk about among people who, who actually live in those countries. And so for me, it was it was shocking to see, let's say, 
Russian flags all over the the northern part of Kosovo, for example, or to meet uh, Serbs and talk about my opinion about the situation and, and listen to his opinion, which is completely opposite to mine. So I don't know. Traveling is is a lot for me. It's not only about personal quest for emotions, which I need so largely because I'm currently uh, I'm doing AB, which is academically rigorous. Uh, and also, I'm going through some personal challenges because of the war in my country. Uh, but traveling is also about academic enrichment and trying to find new perspectives, talk to people, but not just you know go through the textbooks and try to understand the situation. Thank you. Hopefully it answers. Thank you too. I agree with everything you said. It's very well said. I can hear the melody, the rhythm, and the creativity and the way you describe things, especially using metaphors. I have a question about metaphors, but first I will ask in a metaphorical way, how is writing to you an exploration similar to travel since it seems to be Travel is an exploration of yourself, your emotions, learning through people and from people. And to many, writing and journaling is an exploration of oneself and diving deeper into your inner world. Is this the same to you? And what would be the difference? What is the uniqueness and flavor of each at the same time? do both give you similar emotions of exploration? That's absolutely a wonderful question. Thank you for it. I would really enjoy to, uh, not just to answer it, but to think about it myself, because I think I've never answered it to myself. Well, I would say, first of all, it started with me not just trying to explore myself, but trying to explore the language. Uh, honestly, I'm an absolute fan of, of English. I love writing in English. I started writing my research papers in English, um, but then I started writing poems also in English. And when I started uh, writing poems, it then became not only an exploration of, of the language, of how beautifully my thoughts and ideas can be put into uh, words and phrases, but also it, it became myself exploration so i would say i would say it's it's both um how it's different from traveling oh in in many ways <laughs> actually because i don't know i feel like when you travel you get it's it's easier for you perhaps to get new ideas new emotions because they're just being uh, somewhat thrown into you but when you're writing you dig deeper into yourself and try to be try to get back in time, uh, reflect on what you have already been through, and then try to put it into, uh, not necessarily metaphors, but in something very, very unique. Actually, there is um, a way the writers are using to make their uh, experiences, when, they, when they're talking about their life, their life experiences, but not just writing a research paper, let's say, um, there is a way of how to try to make sound I have to sound more interesting, for example. So it's called, or not called, I'm not sure if I can recall the name, but the main idea of the technique is to make the way how you express your idea sound very uncommon to the reader. 
So for example, you're trying to uh, describe the fruit, your favorite fruit and how you're eating the fruit. And so your main uh, purpose here is just to try to come up with some ways mm. you have to make this description sound very uncommon for the reader. So you're talking about the process of, let's say, eating the fruit and your main purpose is to make it sound, to, to put it in the way like no other person would probably do it. And this is something that really excites me about writing, just trying to find new ways. Uh, but in traveling, it's more like you're just going for an adventure and you don't know, uh, you don't have control over what ways will be open to you you're just going there and then you're meeting people but here you're like digging deeper into what you already know what you already have been through i adore what you're saying it reminds me of so many things one of them is that the brain pays attention to whatever is unusual to whatever is like funny even comedy is doing the unexpected saying things in novel ways and therefore when readers read you using that technique, they will feel more joy and pleasure out of your writing and therefore they want to use it more. And I remember you spoke about exploring the language and that's how you began your fascination with writing. A lot of psychologists and linguists will argue that actually language doesn't exist, the brain doesn't process language, everything is metaphors. Every word, like when you said dig deeper, that is a metaphor. When you said reflect, that is like a mirror where you look at something and watch the reflection. It's a metaphor to when they say, I feel stuck. <laughs> That's a metaphor as well. So to you, what's your interest in metaphors? What makes them fascinating for you? Is it that you can explore after you create a metaphor every facet of it and discover new things and learn by the metaphor you created? Or is it, again, the fact that it will be so interesting to readers that it will capture their attention and give them a sense of enjoyment, like an artistic way to express yourself? Uh, that's actually a very interesting idea that you put forward. Uh, I've never heard about it before. Well, for me, metaphors is more like, uh, you know, the race, the competition with my own self. Because, um, again, getting back to what I said before, uh, trying to put things in, in metaphors in, in language, which is uncommon, a way to make the picture in my head sound clear, but on the other hand, also unfamiliar for, for the reader or for me as a reader. Because actually, um, things that are right are not really made for the eyes of the others it's like slightly perverse act of self-voyeurism for me for me it's just it's just that it's just interesting for me to see what i can come up with than to try to impress the reader perhaps that's really really interesting and you spoke in the words that you said deeper underneath it i can feel a desire for challenging yourself can you speak a bit more about that? Is it like I also read sometimes there are people or writers or anybody who put themselves in very difficult and challenging situations, which gives them more confidence and hope when times are difficult, that 
if I can overcome this, I can overcome anything. Others, they love the thrill, the new emotions. It makes them feel alive when life is not boring. And that's why they challenge themselves. Others are curious. They're like, I don't know my limits. I don't want to assume I know my limits. So let me stretch everything to the ultimate point and its limit. And therefore, I will finally know rather than guess to you. Are you a person who has a drive to challenge yourself? And if so, what is a deeper reason or a motivation for this tendency? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I love the question. Again, if we're talking about uh, writing, I will then be talking about some more, some, some other things. Well, in writing, yes, actually, I feel like my writing is, again, the way for me to challenge myself to see how far I can go. Uh, and I feel like this tendency is also common and also can be applied to my other spheres of life. Honestly, I don't, I've never talked or thought about it, uh, never discussed it with myself i mean the reason behind that this internal desire to be doing more to be challenging myself but if i think about it now i feel like it's it's always been like this uh maybe it comes from from my family but i feel like i've always had this nerve pushing me into doing things better and and, ju and just trying to see again how how far i can it can get me. It's It actually can be applied into my academic journey and my personal journey. And I think I was talking about it the last uh, time we met. I was talking about some spark in the eyes uh, that appears when you're doing things that you love. And so I feel like the spark in the eyes is the way to measure your dedication. And actually, when you're doing enough, I feel like you don't have the spark in the eyes. And in my case, it only appears when I'm uh, jumping over my head, when I'm doing more than I expected from myself. So it's like, again, it's like the quest for um, curiosity, for passion. I'm usually trying to do it through um, jumping over my head and trying to do more than I, than I initially expect from myself. Yes, I remember the spark in the eyes and... It makes me think because it's an elusive factor or an elusive obvious that spark in the eyes. To you, if you think deeper about it, where do you feel it comes from? Not in that cause and effect way. Is it like a spiritual kind of experience where when you're living to your purpose, your soul is shining and alive and therefore that comes through? Is it from the energy of life that when you're not just barely surviving, you're just basically not adding any value to the universe. But when you challenge yourself and push the extra mile, you tap into the energy of the universe because you're growing it and adding to it. And that translates into a spark. Or is it just that your brain is running on full cylinders it's sparking in every way because you need that energy in order to be sharp because you're not doing the boring repetitive routine or to you do you have some metaphysical or spiritual undertone to this spark in the eye and challenging yourself <laughs> i was laughing here all the time actually i i don't feel like i'm 
this spiritual yet and for me uh, the spark is just I just feel it when I feel extremely genuine well usually I tend to be I don't know when it happened when was the time when I uh, turned this way but uh, usually in, in life I'm more numb with my emotions uh, maybe I saw a lot of things in life I'm not sure yet uh, but when um, I'm talking about the spark I'm usually referring to the feeling of extreme and absolute genuity or sincerity and some emotional elevation that is pushing you further into into doing things thank you and although as you said all or most of your writing is to yourself it's not is for your eyes only not for uh, general audiences at the same time often people who like to create things that are unexpected or different or unique they want and have this desire not to be unseen not to be average mediocre and unnoticeable there is a desire to be noticed for your own individuality is this a part of what drives you and motivates you do you feel that a lot of people try to live according to societal rules and therefore they don't show their uniqueness and their soul and to you this feels maybe like death or being a zombie and therefore you have this desire and drive in your clothes in your studies in your adventures in your writing to do what is different so that you say this is me i am different and i do things in a totally different way does this resonate with your way of thinking and seeing the world wow well you were talking i started thinking about uh so many people i know who are absolutely amazing who are standing out who are remarkable but they just don't know about it or they know about it somewhere deep and maybe actually i used to be having this thinking too you know when you are doing good things already doing amazing things but you're still thinking that you're not enough for the world to notice you and then you're just trying to postpone your uh, minute of, of fame let's say and in fact it then never comes because you're just trying to to find the period of time when you will be absolutely certain in the fact that you are better than anyone else and only then you perhaps can show your talents your individuality to the world but the truth is in my opinion is that this moment never comes or perhaps comes if you're extremely extremely talented but it's more about diversity to myself when people are confident uh, in the fact that they can do uh, great things they should share those things because it can inspire so many other people to be doing even i don't know even better or not better just just other things and uh in this the diversity is born diversity is me is something really really beautiful i'm actually synesthetic i used to be seeing people as colors and when i see people as, as colorist and when I become a part of a very diverse group with very diverse uh, interests and hobbies then I don't know I'm just very again very elevated emotionally because um, I see 
I see all those different individuals that are not afraid of telling the world about themselves, showing themselves, of trying to inspire others with whatever they can do or cannot do. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and then my palette is just becoming, you know, color palette is just becoming really bright and full of uncanny shades. Uh, as for me, I think I'm still partially sharing this view that I'm trying to avoid. Uh, I still want to become better, to learn how to have my absolutely authentic style. It's not only about, it's more about academic writing, but not about personal writing. Honestly, I can see myself doing PhD sometime later. Uh, and hopefully until that time, I will be absolutely certain the fact that I'm not just trying to, you know, get closer to those figures who are now inspiring me, but that I can be doing things that are inspiring for other people. Uh, I think I am already at this point, and there are people who can be inspired by me and who, who told me that they actually are. Uh, but still, it feels like there is much more that I can do before uh, appearing as, you know, an author or <laughs> or someone else. But maybe, maybe I still should be should be doing some more to actually show others what what I'm doing and. Um, again, what I can or what I cannot do. Thank you. That's so interesting that you're synesthetic and you see people as colors and you can see them as brighter based on what they do, how they feel and how they behave. Is this kind of a superpower? Do you consider this a unique gift that helped you in some ways? Can you speak a bit more about that? Uh, of course. Uh, yes, I used to be talking about my synesthesia as a not a superpower not a part of my identity but more like a browser extension <laughs> this is actually something that i i was writing my university application a browser extension that allows me to uh, see everyone as equally beautiful because in fact just one color means nothing but when it's palette full of different uh, even peculiar shades only then it it means something perhaps like this thank you and of course you had a lot of emotional experiences since february 24th you're far from your country and you heard of the full-scale invasion of course the war already started since 2014 or many would argue it has been going on for a long, long time, even hundreds of years that Ukrainian people have been suffering. How was that day for you when you heard about the beginning of the full-scale invasion? How did you feel? How was your experience? What did you think? Tell me all and how did you change maybe as a person or evolve because of this emotional hardship between that time and today? Uh, thank you for the question. It's, it brings me back to some very sensitive uh, memories. So as I mentioned, uh, when the war started, I was not in Ukraine because I'm attending um, boarding school in Belize. And even though we had winter break, uh, because of the COVID, we had to stay for longer at home, but uh, still Ukrainians were somehow weirdly 
evacuated from their countries from from Ukraine back to school uh, one week before the invasion started. It was um, it was February fifteenth when I got back here in Tbilisi. Um, when I was leaving, when I showed the email from my school saying that Sabina, you gotta be back in Tbilisi, I showed it to my father, and he was like. He was very skeptical about it. He he never believed that it can happen. And his calmness probably was contagious. And I, I also uh, did not really believe much as I I should have. Uh, when I got back here in Tbilisi, um, there were only three Ukrainians, three people in general in the board, and there was no one else. Uh, so I was just... I was just oh, sorry for for the sounds. Uh, I was sleeping in my room. Uh, my classmate she was sleeping in uh, the room close to me. She's my neighbor, and I'm waking up from a very hectic noise, like knocking in my door. I'm opening the eyes. I'm running to the door. I'm opening the door, and um, she's standing there. She's trembling as far as i remember she's definitely not not feeling at her best i'm trying to help her to get to to my bed uh and then the only phrase that she says and the only phrase that clarifies everything for me is um they did it after that my i don't remember what was happening actually it's also you know the memories are vanishing but it was um probably the most emotional time of the of, of the year probably uh, because after it you have so many questions like that's a fact the war uh, is there in in the territory on, on the territory of the entire ukraine your family your friends are there you're here you have this survival syndrome you're trying to fight it but it's it's not working and the only thing that you're thinking about is no, it's not the only thing. <laughs> there are actually so many things that you're thinking about. And all of them are revolving around this feeling of uncertainty. I think all the Ukrainians could not imagine what would happen to their country, to their families, to themselves in the uh, first days of the invasion. No one knew what was going to happen. And I also could not knew what was going to happen. And... Uh, my first reflex was to call my parents and they, of course, they did not respond and it further fueled my um, emotions and my uh, fear. That was the true fear that I felt back then. Um, but then it was somehow, it's, it's hard to be saying it, but after some time, you become so very numb emotionally you read the news constantly. This is your reflex to be waking up and reading news, to be going to bed and, and reading news, to be reading news during your classes uh, while you were eating. I, I remember all the Ukrainians going to the cafeteria with their phone and eating and reading news and crying. And we were like, please don't do this. We were trying to control each other, but still nothing's going to change if you just simply don't read the news. And it was like, innate reflex, innate need to make sure that uh, if it's bombing, it's not bombing near your house or it's not bombing where your family is uh, at the moment. And 
yeah, this thing that I was talking about, like being numb, um, you still see the terrible numbers, you see the pictures, but you you still are tortured with, with all this, but you don't feel it this much. You, you don't experience the same emotions after. Uh, for me, it was like probably three or four months, four, more like four. Thank you, Sabina, for sharing your truth. Thank you for sharing the way you experience the world. Thank you for sharing both your struggles and the struggles of every Ukrainian. And again, all I can say is Slava Ukraini. Heroium Slava. And also thanks to the international community. I think we're still on agenda. Uh, the world is still talking about us, and this is the the most important thing, apart from our unity domestically, our spirit domestically. It is also incredibly important to be knowing that the world is on your side, uh, the world is on the side of the truth, and thanks to people like you and thanks to the international community generally, uh, we still have this benefit of uh, being absolutely certain that we are supported by by the rest of the world. 100%. Again, thank you so much for participating in this project. It was my privilege and my honor to interview you. I wish you success. I wish to Ukraine victory and I wish peace in this world. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for the experience again. It was really a pleasure to be coming back here after, I think, almost a year, right? Maybe maybe more, maybe. I think it's more than a year. And also to be noticing how I changed, um, how, you, how you've changed, how many experiences um, we've been through, and how many new insights we, we've got. Thank you for the experience. You're welcome.